Happy Friday to you all. A lot to get to ahead on today's show. An exclusive conversation with Caleb Hayes as well as BYU Safety Malik Moore is on the way on today's podcast. And we'll also get to some more questions you did not get to on the Thursday edition of the podcast. All of that coming up on today's edition of Locked on Cougars. You are Locked on Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Our title sponsor on today's show is our friends over at Bet Online. They get you covered all season long with more odds, lines, and props than anybody else. Check them out. That's Bet Online and BetOnline.net. By way of introduction, my name is Jake. I work for the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. If you're just checking us out for the very first time, our goal here on this podcast is to make sure you guys are the smartest BYU fans in the room and the way we do that is by being your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars bringing you all the news all the latest when it comes to BYU sports and getting it to you as soon as humanly possible so big thank you for taking the time to check us out all right a lot to get to ahead on today's show but very much looking forward to kicking off the show with this conversation I've uh, been sitting on this for a little bit just some of the other news that kind of stacked up and I could not wait to let you guys hear this conversation I'm not gonna lie but like I said I was just uh, buried under some other stuff I had a great chance. This is during BYU Photo Day, so this goes back almost two weeks at this point. But I had a great chance to catch up with both Malik Moore as well as Caleb Hayes. Uh, My original premise was to talk to Malik uh, during this, but he actually called Caleb Hayes over right as we were starting the interview. And my uh, pardon my shoddy camera work, as you'll see here in this video clip, but a great conversation ensued with two BYU star defensive backs. Uh, Malik obviously leading BYU safety group. Caleb Hayes looking down to lock down lock down one side of the field at cornerback for the Cougars. And I started off by asking both of them, what did they work on most during the offseason? Um, it was a lot of just, te- I think it was more technique, if anything. Because um, I think, you know, we all have the athletic ability to play the game of football. But at the end of the day, it's more than that. It's, it's you know, where your feet are going to be at the right times, you know, where your hips at, you know, what, what hand are you stabbing with, you know. So I think for me, it was it was definitely more technique. Um, in the offseason, I worked a lot of, I try to work a lot of more, a lot more tackling because, you know, that's a big emphasis in our defense right now. And then for me, being a safety, that's the number one thing. You can get takeaways all you want, but if you can't tackle the ball, if you can't tackle, then why does it matter? So, um, yeah. Caleb, you played corner, but what did you work on? I would say throughout this whole season, I always like to uh, work on my craft and everything like that. So um, even from the last game, you know, I always uh, just worked on, like, you know, press uh, zones and everything like that. And I always kept on watching film, you know, just trying to remember the plays and uh, just still having the feel of the game throughout the whole year. Because, you know, it's it's going it's always a loss. Uh, a la- uh, a long off season, so you know sometimes dudes like to forget and become rusty. You know, uh, I have a, a my own little philosophy. Like you know, I can't afford to become rusty, so I always have to be uh, spot on and Johnny on the spot. So uh, you know, like and definitely, well for me, it's really uh, <laughs> people is gonna always laugh about this, but you know, actually like you know, getting takeaways and um, you know, catching the ball and everything like that. So you know, I've I've been I've been I've been working on that. So. Um, you know, I can get the most PBUs, but I need some ball production. 
Well, and that's the thing I was going to ask you about. You had a number of pass breakups last year. You were making a run, actually, at the single-season record at one point uh, for pass breakups here at BYU. What's the, what's the uh, Jordan Johnson in the mid 2000s had like 15 or something like that. Almost got it. Yeah, you were you were on track. Almost you? now. Oh, so, yeah. but what it. That's the thing about that. You, yeah, I didn't even know that. <laughs> I, I didn't know you didn't and know that. I did. I was like, is he number two now or something? I, he'd be right there, I think. Come on, with the with the he finna get that way. He finna get it. I think that sucks though, cause you're not finna get the same energy this year though, cause they're not finna throw the ball to you. That's the crazy part. No, nah, I would hope they throw the ball to me. You know, they're um, not going to you. I'm not. I'm all right. So I hope they throw the ball to me. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, he wasn't working on nothing in the off season. Yeah, he was just eating burgers and chilling on the boat. Uh, okay, he wasn't working on nothing. So don't so, so test him if you want to. Test him. So with regards to the to. Being a cornerback in this defense, and Malik, you, you're on, you're you're at safety, so you're watching both D'Angelo, I guess, opposite a guy like Caleb. When it comes to setting up and make communicating with your guys and making sure that they're on the same page, how much uh, communication do you have with these guys in game? I think for us, is it's it's um, it's not even so much the basic communication anymore. It's more so like a like it was like I, like I practiced the other day. You're like you're like Malik, uh, make sure you get over because I am about to. You, what'd you say? Oh, you like get over? Yeah, because I was about to um, jump. Uh, I was about to jump some stuff, so yeah, he, yeah. I want him to get over a little bit quicker. Uh, you know, just like what he's trying to say is like just little, little things. Like since we already know the defense and we already know how to play within the calls, we can actually like you know uh, you can play around with play it, around more. With it. You know what I mean? Make more plays on the ball, so I can I can get him to force the quarterback to throw something more deep because he's jumping everything short. You know what I mean? So I can play more aggressive to the half or whatever it is. So the community, and he's, he's watching film, I'm watching film. So we're going to know during game time, like this formation. Their tendencies. Their tendencies like to trying to route smash or whatever it is. So, I mean, Communication for us now, it's 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 a, it's a it's bigger than just it's it's our bond. You guys, you guys sync. It's it's our bond now. It's like we yeah, you know? read our minds. Like, yeah, we had know? a game night like two days ago. He did. It's me, I won. Him, and Gabe, Judy. I won. Uh, shut up. I won. Oh, you, I won. You did win? Yeah, yeah, okay. I won. Right. I, won. I, I wanted to ask you about Gabe. Uh, he's a new guy here. Uh, came in from Vanderbilt. What's he been like so far? Let's ask you, Caleb. Uh, yeah, he's been uh. Honestly, I'm playing out. I'm playing out. He, he's, <laughs> he, he's been great. Like, he's been really great. Uh, I think the coaches see it. Uh, you know, he brings experience to the team. He brings the, uh, like, it's, I was obviously talking about this, um, the situational football IQ, of course, of it. Uh, and he brings, like, you know, the physicality. You know, he's just a natural football player, got great instincts. Um, like he's gonna, he's my roommate. So you know, we always uh, talk of football. We always talk about little things. You know, get on the same page and everything like that. Uh, and you know, like I help him out. He helps me out as well. Um, and yeah, we just like to let's love and learn from Gabe. one another. And one thing about Gabe's a smart dude. Mm-hmm. Like Gabe's probably one of the smartest guys I know. Like when they does not, even, it doesn't even have to be about football. It can be about political things. It can be about. Engineering something like bro, a, he is he's ridiculous. He's smart. Like at the end of he get, go, he went to Vanderbilt. I was gonna say you don't graduate from Vanderbilt for nothing. Yeah, so I mean he's a smart dude. So I mean just talking to him, he's very you can tell he's very intelligent. And then when you're talking football with him, it just it correlates you know all together. So. I got two more questions for you guys. Obviously, a lot of people were down on the rush defense a year ago. And I know both of you guys are defensive backs, but what role do you guys play in uh, improving the overall rush defense from your various positions? Clean up crew. Okay. Sometimes when that ball's 20 yards down the field, that's that's when the 
comes time for the safeties to to come down and make that hit. That's what comes down for the corners to get off blocks, share blocks, and and get and, and get the and get the runner. So I mean, um, we don't blame anything on anybody. Some this football stuff happens. You know what I mean? Sometimes it might be wrong personnel, and they ran the right formation and play. So it's just you know about us, you know, doing our 111, our job, which is that tackling part and whatever it is. Yeah, we, uh, our defense have a scheme and it works and we just have to, like, you know, uh, play with it. Don't get too greedy because, you know, we're a team that, uh, you know, eliminate a lot of, like, you know, big plays and everything like that. And, you know, we like to have a, we like to play. We like to we like to play the game. However, like BYU plays the game. The coaches, I trust the coaches within what they do. Uh, and you know, our D line is is going to be great. They're amazing. They worked hard. Uh, they know what they have to work on, and we know we have to work on ourselves. And you know, we just uh, I appreciate those big boys because you know it's it's hard in the trenches. You feel me? Like you every know, they play every down. That's hard. It's every down. You know, getting in the mud and everything like that. Like you know, they're uh, they're the unspoken heroes, and you know, we just have to. Uh, Fire. No, we have to appreciate that because so, if we don't have them, hey, yeah. a lot of those games, all those close games, we don't, we don't have. So, uh, so all nah. your fans back on us be hating. Y'all think y'all know what y'all talking about? You get down there and do it, and you tell me how it go. Nah, but yeah, we love our big boys, man. They, they, they gonna, they gonna, uh, they gonna show out this year. They gonna twenty plus, twenty plus sacks, twenty plus something. I gotta okay. tie TFLs. We got, yeah, they gotta have some type of goal. All right. So last thing I got for you, Caleb, how stingy is this guy with his wings up wings? Oh, very stingy. What? Hey, you know, no, no, listen. Are hey, you hey, right no, now? no, no, you, hey, you know, what? You know, they should, I shouldn't even honestly ask to give, to be like, hey, Malik, can I get some wings, man? Some pepper? Like, it should be already, like, he comes to my house, like, game, like, game night, right? Like, two days ago. Why wasn't there no wings? <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, like, you feel me? Like, why wasn't there no wings? Yeah. Like, it, it should just be us. He gets free wings. First of all, a closed mouth don't get fed. That's what oh, I want. Goodness. So all you kids out there, a club, my mama taught me a closed mouth don't get fed. So if you want something in life, ask for it. Go get it. Go seek guidance and counsel, wise counsel. And this man right here didn't go seek wise counsel. I was his wise counsel. If he wanted some wings, who should he have asked? Thank you. And I gave people wings. Put that on, get it to the social, BYU social media team. Ask me about and gave wings too. I'm his teammate. I haven't had one wing. You're not my teammate, bro. You're my brother. So you don't need no wings. You got love. <laughs> Thank you so much, gentlemen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Malik Moore, Caleb Hayes. What a fantastic conversation. And uh, I'm going to have to follow up with Malik and see if he's given uh, Caleb some of those wings. But as he said, they all got love. You heard him talk about the fact that the defensive line, they, he says 20-plus sacks. I think hope there's like 30-year-plus sacks. But that's just personally my opinion on the matter. But a fantastic conversation. Both guys you're going to see feature prominently in BYU's defense this year right there. And as you can tell, some fun-loving some high energy and just some great personality from both Caleb Hayes as well as Malik Moore. And a big thank you once again to them for taking some time to talk with me. Uh, that was during BYU Photo Day just a, probably about two weeks ago now, but a great conversation all the same and really enjoyed uh, catching up with the both of them. All right, coming up here in just a minute, I had a number of you send in questions for our mailbag edition we did not get to on yesterday's show. I figured, you know what, let's get them done today. So we'll get to those coming up here momentarily, though. First, a word on our friends over at Bet Online.
online. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events in the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, college football, NBA, college hoops, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have got you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action available to you guys now. That's all courtesy of BetOnline, where the game starts. A reminder for you guys that the Ultimate College Football Preview is here. It is a seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season all in one spot. Search for the Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's answer your, answer your guys' questions. Uh, some of them coming in after I finished up yesterday's episode, but some of them I did not get a chance to get to on the Thursday edition of the podcast. So let's get to them now. We'll start off with this. I'm coming in from Ryan Welling at Ryan underscore Welling says, what is the status of Atunai Samahe? Of all the injured players, I worry most about his status considering the D-line struggles towards the end of last season. And Ryan, what I can tell you about this is Atunai Samahe, I'm not expecting to see him against USF at least. Uh, Based on what I saw during training camp, he has not yet taken the field. And obviously that could have changed in the last couple of days as they begin game prep, but he has been uh, slowed up due to some lingering injury concerns. Uh, We heard uh, from Coach Tuiaki during about the middle part of uh, training camp. Actually, funny enough, no, that was during BYU photo day. So the same day I recorded with Malik and Caleb Hayes, uh, Coach Tuiaki said that he was had shoulder surgery in the offseason and kind of been slow uh, to return from that. So the hope is they get him back at some point. I I, I will uh, acknowledge, yes, that there were struggles on that defensive line and a guy like Atunai Samahe, with his experience factor, you'd think he'd be a welcome addition to this line. And I it, Once he's healthy, I fully expect that they will get him back out there. But until he is healthy, you can't afford to run him back out there. He's got to be ready to go, and that was some of the biggest concerns last year was the fact that both he and Caden Haas dealt with some injury concerns during the season, and that very much hurt BYU's defensive line, especially in the rush attack uh, side of the defensive scheme. And the biggest thing is guys like Josh Larson I think are bigger this year. I think a guy like uh, Lorenzo Fawatea back to full health in his own right, a guy who missed the majority of last year himself with a back injury, he's now weighing 300-plus pounds. I- I'm expecting to be a lot more uh, 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 I'm trying to say there's going to be a lot more um, beef in the middle for BYU's defense. They've got multiple guys over 300 pounds last year. I'm not sure they had maybe more than one guy over 300 pounds last year. That uh, That's something that you, you you have to have just that beef in the middle to be able to hold up against opposing rush attacks, and BYU appears to have that this year. Will it result in a better rush defense? That's the hope, but only time will tell if they can go out there and prove that, and our first opportunity to see that will be against USF. Next question coming in from BYU Hawk. He says, Iowa is heaven. He's both the Iowa Hawkeyes fan as well as BYU fan. He says, in your open media sessions, have you seen more blitzes being called than we have seen in games the last few seasons? Says, I understand that practice is a small sample size. I can tell you this much, BYU Hawk, is I've seen BYU run a pretty base-level defense during our media sessions. I have seen some blitzes. They have brought guys up, walked them up to the line, had guys come from different angles on the football field, but it's all been pretty base-level stuff. I would assume that BYU is probably keeping a lot of that stuff under wraps before they unleash it against. USF. And I'll also say that BYU has been very, uh, 
very careful with regards to how uh, uh, what media, uh, the guys like myself, the TV stations out there, when they shoot BYU practice, they're not able to do what they call wide-angle shots. They can't shoot an entire play from for, with all 11 players in it so they can show the scheme, that type of stuff. They, call it, they want you uh, tight-angle stuff to follow the ball, essentially, to keep that stuff from getting out. But I think that you'll see BYU be a little more aggressive. I think the biggest uh, indicator of what you can expect from BYU, especially with a healthy linebacker contingent led by guys like Keenan Peely, is to look at the early part of last season. The Arizona game, the Utah game, and the Arizona State game. BYU was a lot more active and a lot more aggressive defensively during those games when guys like Keenan Peely were healthy. So the hope is they'll get back to more of that versus the very passive drop eight scheme it felt like for many instances that we've seen during Kalani Sitake's tenure and especially uh, towards the tail end of last year when it just felt like BYU was trying to do anything and everything just to slow teams down. Let me also add one thing. In circumstances like the Virginia game last year, BYU is getting absolutely beat like a drum with their defensive scheme in the first half of that game. They dropped into the drop eight against Virginia last year and guess what won the game? That drop eight. So there are times that the drop eight is actually very effective. How much BYU's relied on it? I'd say that's not as effective, if that makes sense. All right, House of BYU weighing in here says, Hey, Jake, can you shed some light on Chris Jackson? We know he's back at BYU, but we haven't heard anything about him in discussions regarding wide receiver 3, 4, or 5. Seems odd for a guy that was part of that conversation last year and saw the field a little bit. Has he dealt with an injury that you know of? Now, what I can tell you about this uh, with regards to Chris Jackson is he actually just recently finally rejoined the roster. I don't know if he had to get himself enrolled back into school. I, I don't know if he had injury concerns. I don't know if he had paperwork he had to fill out. But just this past week, he has finally rejoined the team. So he has not participated in the vast majority of training camp. So at this point, I would not necessarily be counting on Chris Jackson doing much of anything, at least early on this season. It is kind of funny that he announced he was transferring to Hawaii, then announced he's coming back to BYU. He is the beneficiary of a nice uh, package, obviously coming in that NIL deal with Bill Barr to pay for his tuition, so he's taking advantage of that opportunity, but if he contributed at all in any meaningful way this year, I think that's more than you truly probably should expect going into this year. I think there's a number of other wide receivers on this roster, most notably Cody Epps, Chase Roberts, I'd even say guys like um, Cade Moore, and Tanner, Tanner Wall are probably ahead of him in the pecking order right now, but there's no reason to think that if he comes in and blows the doors off everybody in practice that he can't move right back up that depth chart. I'm just not necessarily counting on him being one, I guess, one of the top six receivers for BYU this year. I think the top six guys Gunnar Romney, Puka Nakua, Keanu Hill, Braden Cosper, Chase Roberts, Cody Epps. Those are the six guys that I think are going to be your lead dogs at wide receiver for BYU. Could Chris Jackson get back into that conversation? He's got some work to do if he wants to do that. All right, one other question coming in from our good friend Mojo, our resident uh, fighter pilot serving over there uh, in the sandbox, as he calls it, in the Middle East. Says there's a lot of smoke about big players not participating in practice. I hear Chaz is officially out this season. Is there anyone else we've heard back on definitively? Now, uh, I can tell you this much, Mojo, is that Chaz, everything I have heard right now is similar to you. I am fully expecting that he's probably going to miss at least the majority of this season. You may see him because with the redshirt rules being what they are right now in the NCAA he could play in as many as four games this season if he gets to back to being healthy you may see that maybe in October or November towards the tail end of the season where he maybe gets some uh, spot action there but the hope is they can get him back to 100% or as close to it as he possibly can get and hopefully make another run at it in 2023 it's disappointing because I think we were all expecting him to go out there and be a big part of this defense this year but it just sure doesn't look that way on other guys Gunnar Romney Pukunakua they have not necessarily participated in a lot of practices over the past couple of 
weeks. What I was told, I said this on yesterday's podcast, but going back to uh, the middle part of this week, Wednesday, as recently as Wednesday, I was told to, to plan on both of them being available for the game against USF. Could that be smoke being spread by BYU? Absolutely. They could be uh, covering that up and uh, making sure that they uh, make it sound like they could play to give uh, USF some doubt. I would expect if they're healthy enough, they'll both give it a go. They are gamers. We saw Gunnar Romney come back from multiple, and I mean, there were two I can remember. I think he's talked about two MCL uh, injuries that he suffered last year. Remember, he got rolled up on twice. He battled back, put a brace on, and played with those injuries. He's a gamer, folks. He has battled through a lot. I would expect the Puka Nakua, if he's anywhere near being game ready, he'll be out there as well. The good news is Dallin Holker, who missed a lot of training camp early on uh, due to an injury, he has been back at practice. So I would expect that Dallin Holker is ready to go and should be available. Uh, BYU's been very smart about managing their injury situation during training camp. I would imagine that going into this game outside of Chaz Ayu, I don't count anybody else out. I guess you know, Chaz Ayu and Atunai Samahe. <laughs> what am I saying? I think that Mahe and Chaz are probably the two that I would say, in my opinion, this is Jake Hatch's opinion. This is not BYU saying this. This is my opinion on the matter. I think those are your two guys that you'd probably be pointing at and saying, okay, those are the two guys who are probably, in my opinion, definitively out for this game. But who knows? I think BYU's been very, very careful about their injury situation, and I think they're actually going to roll into this game fairly healthy, which is a good sign coming out of training camp. And a big thank you, by the way, to all of you for your questions. It's always fun to hear from you guys. Like I said, I, some of those came in after I had finished up the Thursday edition of the show. So I figured, you know what? Let's grab the ones I did not get to on the Thursday edition, put them with the ones that came in a little bit later, and get to them on today's podcast. We'll round out the show coming up here momentarily with a look at the weekend for both BYU women's soccer as well as BYU. BYU Women's Volleyball. They are both in action this weekend. And also, two games from the history books for the BYU football program that we'll get to as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars. Love to hear from you guys. Get your insights, your opinions, all that stuff. It's always fun to hear from you. All right, before we go on today's show, let's run down the weekend schedule for you guys. The BYU Women's Volleyball Program, ranked number 10 in the country, opens up their regular season with the doTERRA Classic or the BYU Classic uh, Round 1. It's a four-team round-robin event that is going to feature Duke, Washington State, as well well as Ryder University. They'll be playing at the uh, Smith Fieldhouse alongside BYU. That'll begin tomorrow, excuse me, today. I apologize. It's Friday. Uh, 10 a.m. today. It'll be on the BYU TV app, Duke versus Washington State, followed by BYU taking on Ryder at noon. And then in the nightcap tonight, BYU takes on Duke at 7 o'clock. If you want to tune into that, it's on BYU TV and the BYU TV app. Uh, Then tomorrow, Ryder takes on Duke at 4 o'clock. Then BYU will take on Washington State at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. That'll be on BYU TV once again if you want to support the uh, women's volleyball program. Now on the women's soccer side of things, right number three in the country, uh, they are going to be taking on Ohio State. Uh, this is tonight at 4 o'clock, I guess 6 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Mountain Time, so I guess nighttime on the East Coast, but it is afternoon here along the Wasatch Front. They'll be taking on the Ohio State Buckeyes there at Jesse Owens Memorial Stadium. That'll be uh, on the Big Ten Network streaming. Uh, Gregor Bell also have a call on BYU Radio, the BYU Radio app, and BYU Radio 107. 
97.9 if you want to tune into his call of that. A big opportunity here for BYU. Ohio State is a traditional power out of the Big Ten. A big opportunity for Jennifer Rockwood and her squad. And they will be obviously uh, back in action on a pretty quick turnaround. They're actually going to be back home on Monday to host Colorado at Southfield for their official home opener of the season. So some big games coming up for BYU women's soccer and looking forward to that. All right, final things before we go on today's show. Uh, Looking back in the history books for BYU football, uh, there are two games that BYU football has played in this uh, on this date in 2000, the final year of Lavelle Edwards' uh, legendary tenure. BYU opened the season in Jacksonville, Florida, at Altel Stadium, and uh, frankly, things did not go according to plan. And it feels like the very first touchdown uh, for Chris Winkie and the Seminoles kind of set up what was to come for BYU football. Here you go. Winkie on a roll. Third and long. Pumps and waits. Running out of time in real estate. Throws back across his body. Touchdown! Got Morgan. I'll make it Javon Walker in the corner. There you go, and Chris Winkie, what a throw, by the way, to get that back across his body into the end zone. Javon Walker coming down with it. Just a crazy, crazy, excuse me, Fabian Walker, I apologize, uh, catching that Javon Walker. And it just kind of went that way for BYU in that game. Any of you recall watching it, I remember I was watching it at a family friend's house, and I was all hyped about this. Florida State's number two in the country. Can BYU get things going? It's Lavelle's final tenure. He just recently announced that it was going to be his final season uh, at BYU. And then they went down, they got absolutely trounced by the second-ranked Seminoles. 29-3 was the final. Uh, in this game, BYU rushed for a grand total of, get this, negative two yards. Uh, just absolutely a dominant performance for Florida State. BYU got a field goal, I believe it was in the fourth quarter, no, third quarter from Owen Potchman, a 42-yard field goal uh, to get on the scoreboard and keep their scoring streak at the time. It was like 330. 12, I think they were said in that game, 312 games that at that point, obviously that uh, streak would come to an end in that ignominious loss to Utah just a few years later in 2003, but uh, crazy, crazy times. Uh, there's a legendary picture of Bobby Bowden, Lavelle Edwards, and Burt Reynolds uh, before that game that's out there on the internet. Just a crazy, crazy game. So that was kind of the bitter pill of, obviously, a big opportunity for BYU on that stage, but then they followed that up. This is goes to 2017, and BYU, the other game they played on this date in history, was a game against Portland State. Obviously, we all know that 2017 was like the low watermark in like 50-some-odd years, a 4-9 record that year. And it kind of got off to a little bit of an interesting start. But in this game against Portland State, I think all of us were like, okay, they they struggled on offense, but they'll figure it out. Well, they got their scoring started, and it featured a guy who would end up having a pretty good career in a BYU uniform. Here you go. In motion comes Neil Pau. Looking in that direction. A tackle and dives into the end zone touchdown. There you go. Tanner Mangum to uh, Neil Pau wearing the 84 that he wore early on in his BYU career. Ended up wearing the number two later on in his career. But uh, that spark uh, that Trevor Maddich was the color commentator on that game never really came. BYU struggled to a 20-6 to win over Portland State. And uh, I remember, uh, trust me, I was right there in the middle of this. Talking about, well, they, it was first game, getting the kind of the bugs out. They'll figure things out. Ty Detmer was the offensive coordinator at the time. But we all know that that 2017 season just... 
just was abysmal for BYU. In the game, they ended up with a grand total of 365 total yards. Tanner Mangum, 16 of 27 for 194 yards, one touchdown in that victory. Squally Canada had a nice game, 16 carries for 99 yards. That was a, excuse me, 98 yards. I apologize. Career high for him at the time. Also had a touchdown in that game. But man, I, it should have been a harbinger of what was to come for BYU. But I, I can remember, and I'll admit this. Iowa's guy was like, oh, they'll figure it out. It was just the first game. They're, they're still trying to get things done, get things figured out. They played week zero that season because of the, they were playing at Hawaii at, at the tail end of the season. Ultimately, it ended up being essentially BYU's bowl game because they were 4-9 and nine at that point, or 4-8 and eight at that point when they went to Hawaii. No, excuse me, they were 3-9 three and three and nine at that point, then going to Hawaii and winning that game. But, man... That 2017 season, think about it. That was just five years ago, five, five, five seasons ago, six seasons ago. Think about how recently that was and where BYU's at now as compared to then. They obviously had to go through a lot of different things, revamping this roster for Kalani Satake. Obviously ended up uh, moving on from Ty Detmer at the end of that season, bringing in Jeff Grimes and now Aaron Roderick now leading BYU's offense. It's crazy to think that where they were just a little while ago during that 2017 season and where they're at going into 2022. And hopefully we never see a season like that for a long time like we saw in 2017. All right, so there you go. That is uh, today's edition of the podcast. A huge thank you for your guys' support as always. Guess what? When we reconvene on Monday, folks, it is game week. I know that BYU is already preparing uh, for their opener against USF, but we're eight days away. It's crazy to think about. Oh, and by the way, it's week zero tomorrow, so I should, I, I, man, I Forgot completely forgot about this. I'm doing this live on the fly here. I mentioned I wanted to make some picks. I'm actually going to pull this up as I'm talking here. So before we go, let's run down uh, some of the games that are happening in Week 0 for you guys if you want uh, my opinion on the games upcoming. There's one involving a BYU opponent this week, and that is UConn taking on Utah State. I think UConn's absolutely awful. I think Utah State coming off that Mountain West Conference Championship is absolutely going to obliterate the Huskies, so give me Utah State there. Nebraska-Northwestern's an interesting one to me. It's being played over in Dublin, Ireland at Aviva Stadium. Uh, I don't know why Nebraska and Northwestern are going there. Northwestern's wearing a a modified... Irish flag with their logo. It's a weird, weird look. But give me a Nebraska in this one. I think Scott Frost gets a what is a prove-it season for him off to a good start there. I think Nebraska is going to win that one pretty handily. Wyoming at Illinois. This is an interesting one to me because uh, Brett Bielema is trying to get things going with the Illinois uh, fighting the Lion-Eye. Wyoming had a bunch of turnover. Like, pretty much every one of their star players left the program this offseason. I think Illinois wins this one, but I just got this feeling that Wyoming, even with all the turnover they have, Craig Bull, he's got it something up his sleeve. They're playing in Champaign out there in Illinois, but if you were a betting man, I'd actually probably take Wyoming with the points. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. I know Illinois is showing right here a 13-point favorite. I, I, it's just a gut feeling. Let me be very clear about that. All right, and then the final uh, three games here I'm going to mention are North Texas at UTEP. Give me the Miners. I think they're playing at home. They're playing in the Sun Bowl there in El Paso. I've got a soft spot for UTEP for some random reason, probably from all the years that BYU absolutely pummeled them back in the whack. But give me UTEP in that one. Nevada at New Mexico State, an interesting one there. A bunch of turnover for both of these programs. New head coaches. Give me New Mexico State in an upset. I know Nevada's probably going to be favored in this one. I think they're yeah, eight and a half point favorites. But I feel like Jerry Kill, the new head coach in New Mexico State, he wants to get things off to a good start. And I 
for some reason. The gut feeling, once again, give me New Mexico State. And then the game that I am just absolutely ecstatic for, and I have no actual reason to be ecstatic for it, is the nightcap. Vanderbilt at Hawaii. Uh, I guess similar to UTEP. I've got a soft spot for Hawaii just from those late nights watching BYU and other WAC teams go over to the islands and play the Rainbow Warriors. I think Vanderbilt is going to be in for a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a culture shock making that trip all the way over from Nashville. I do think the Commodores are going to win it, but I think Timmy Chang and his first uh, game as the head coach for Hawaii, he's going to shock some people, I think, with how good Hawaii actually is as they uh, deal with a bunch of turnover. The Todd Graham era ended in just absolutely horrific fashion, just uh, spectacular fashion, I should say. Uh, they had congressional hearings. Their state Congress had congressional hearings regarding the football program. Todd Graham ends up uh, reti- resigning his position. But give me Vanderbilt to win the game, but I think Hawaii is going to put up a pretty good fight there. So those are my picks for this week. We'll do this on uh, future episodes, and I will not forget to not uh, actually pull that up before I record the episode. So there you go. That's it for today's show. A big thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. You don't you lo- don't you love me when I do things on the fly here, folks? All right. So once again, yeah, thanks for checking out the show. Want to encourage you out now, now after making us your first listen to get over and make Locked On Big 12 your second listen of the day. It's absolutely incredible stuff from Josh Neighbors, making sure you're up to speed on everything you need to know about when it comes to the Big 12 Conference. Check that out free and available wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube, just like this show. Have a great week, and we'll be back on Monday, and it's game week time, folks. Let's get going. This has been the Locked On. Cougars podcast. See ya.